Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Man, we're so glad that you're here. All of our campuses and especially down in Gulfport, Gulf Coast campus, they're doing an incredible job. Uh, they're going to baptize like five people already this year, and so we thank God for that. It put that in perspective, that was more than the first year, and uh, they're going to baptize more in the first or the second year I was here in Hattiesburg, and uh, they started with zero in Gulfport. So can we give them a hand for all that they're doing down there? Yeah, thank you, Gulfport. Yeah. Uh, we're in a series called Grit, and if you want to know how gritty you are, you can go to the Venture Church app, and you can take the grid. Uh, see where you are on the grid test and see if you're gritty. And instead of looking at Facebook right now, you can take the test and, uh, and, and find out kind of where you are on that spectrum. But we've been talking about the power of passion and perseverance. And the first week I talked about as you get older, it's easy to lose grip. I mean, you like to sit down, you know, you like to kind of watch the news and kind of like get off my lawn. And it's easy to just settle in and quit. And I challenge you with Caleb and I said, don't quit. God has a lot more for you. There's a lot of you here at all of our campuses, over 1,500 people in our campuses, over 50. Last week I talked about if you felt lost, that's where many of you are. You say, hey, I'm just so lost. I'm so beat down. I'm so broken. I have no hope. Then I talked about how you can develop grit and gave you a picture of your heavenly father who is pacing the floors, waiting for you to pivot and come back to him. And when you do, he pursues you. <laughs> he doesn't say, give me, drop down, give me 50 push-ups. He says, no, you know, come home. You're mine. I love you. I've got a reckless love for you. Now, today I want to talk about a subject that for many of you, uh, you're like, okay, whatever. It makes you uncomfortable. I saw this at 930. There's an uncomfortabil- uncomfortability that comes with even saying this word. And that is, I want to talk about marriage. Uh, how to have grit in marriage. And you say, I knew you was going to talk about that. You know, you don't care about single people and, and you don't understand how if I just had a husband, if I just had a wife, it'd be the end of all of my problems. And all the married people are going, yeah, the front end. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all get it. You know, we know that. You know, we know marriages are. You don't know that yet, you know. And you've been watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Alicia makes me watch it. And uh, it's like a car wreck. I have to watch it. I have to watch it. And, and, and what I want you to know is the fantasy suite is not like the glue of marriage. It's the goo. And it doesn't last. And so if you've been watching like The Bachelor and Bachelorette, I'm not hating on you. I'm watching it too because it gives me a lot to preach about. But don't be like them, okay? Don't do what they're doing because you're going to be frustrated and you're going to wind up in the second category where you've been hurt. And you've been burned and you've been bruised. And when I talk about marriage, it's like you want to get under the seat. You've got PTSD. You're like, hey, it was one of the worst times in my life. And here you're going to like beat up on us because we've been married or we've been with somebody or we've been divorced. And that's not the message. I don't, I don't have that message. That's not the message of the gospel. So, so just kind of hang with me, have a little bit of grit to get through the sermon because I've got good news for you. But some of you, and this is where probably most of you are, and you don't admit it, and that is that you've hit a dry season in your marriage. 
You know, you're rolling along. That, maybe that first, you know, the first week was great. And then after that, you're like, hey, I didn't realize they go like home with me, you know, like, and like all those clothes. I didn't know that they did that, you know. And, and all of a sudden, it's really difficult. And typically, by year three and a half, you're kind of going, this is going to be kind of bad. And you don't deal with it because you feel bad about it. And you have no, like, place to deal with it. So at year seven, you get a divorce. That's the average lifespan of a marriage. And, and so today, the good news is for you that the divorce is down 40%. Okay, the Wall Street Journal says that, that divorce is down 40%. That's because a lot of people are, are living together and waiting longer to get married. But the, they did say that the group that's getting divorced at the highest level is what they call gray divorce. People between 55 and 65 who are getting to a place where they got a few years left, like, you know, I've, I've done my time. You know, and they walk in and all of a sudden it's over. You're going like, you got to be kidding me. And over the decades, I do morphs into I might. And, and it's happening all over our country. And so I want to talk about that today and how to have grit in your marriage, whether you've been married a week or you've been married 50 years or, or 60 years or a, a month or whatever it may be, how you can have grit in your marriage. I'm going to give you a picture that you can come back to when you get tired and you get beat down and you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to trade in or trade up or trade down or trade out that you'll say, hey, I need to hang on because there's something good right around the corner. And it's out of a book today, like if you're new to church, you're going to think I'm making this up. And that's why you need to read the Bible, okay? You need to read the Old Testament. I know that Andy Stanley, I love Andy, says don't read the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament. It'll give you a picture of the grace of God and the love of God in stark form. Because he took that, like the prophets and preachers like me and, and like had them like act out the, the sermon, <laughs> And I'm not going to tell you all that they did. We'll do another series on that. And all the things they had to do, God says, you know, do this and do that. And you're going, Ugh. And it was a message. It was a picture to the nation of what they needed to be doing. And so we have that today in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. His name literally means, now get this, because Joshua means God's salvation. Jesus means God saves. But Hosea means God saves now. It's an imperative, and I love that. I didn't know that, okay? Like, I keep reading the Bible, learning more and more and more and more and more. And it's like God, he, God, God names sin. I, I, save now. Save now. Save me now. I don't want to wait and be saved later. I want to be saved now. I want to be changed now. I want my marriage to be good now. And then he says to him, hey, uh, some things about this lady. There's another lady in the, in the passage. Her name is Gomer. Don't name your daughters Gomer. Okay? If you did, you get the name changed. That is a terrible name for a little girl. Now, if that's you, afterwards we'll talk about it, but it's still a bad name. And, uh, and the, the name Gomer literally means to be ripe for the picking and not ripe with lust. And her dad, it gets worse. Her dad's name is Diabolum, and his name means double-layer grape cake. Grape was an aphrodisiac. It was the whole idea. This whole family's rotten. But the whole family is rotten, okay? And like so, so you're getting the worst case scenario. She's rotten, her dad is rotten, her granddad is rotten, her mama's rotten, her mama's mama's rotten. And you're going like, whoa, this is terrible. What are you doing? Because when I read this scripture, some of you are going to be doing like they did at 930, like this right here. I was like, please close your mouth. I mean, like, you know, if, uh, are you ready for it? Okay, Hosea chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a prostitute. Boy, that's weird. 
and have children with her for like an adulterous wife. This land, my people, are guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So she married Gomer, the daughter of Diablam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And it was really not his son. It was somebody else's son. Okay, we'll come back to that. See, the Bible gets you. See, see, you thought like Bachelorette and Bachelor was off the chain. You thought Cheaters was something. No, read the Bible. God gets you. In chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man, and she's an adulteress. Love for as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods, and love the sacred raisin cakes. I'm not going to tell you what that means. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and bought her for a homer and lethic of barley. Then I told her, You're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be in it with any other man. I will behave the same way toward you, for the Israelites will live many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. You're saying, what in the world does this mean? Five things about marriage. Five things. The first is the prize of marriage. Marriage is a gift. Now, now I want you to get this because our culture does not say this. Marriage next to salvation is the greatest gift you will ever receive. When, when God saw that Adam was all alone, he said, you believe in Genesis? Yeah, I believe in Genesis. I don't believe we're an accident. Two molecules kind of hitting out there somewhere in outer space, and all of a sudden, boom, here we are. No, that's crazy. No, I believe in Adam and Eve. You say, well, you're just naive. Well, okay, but let's just walk with you for a second. He's all alone, and God says, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll amen that. You, you, you want to see a man that's in danger? You take a grown man, especially if he didn't have a job and he's all alone, you just go ahead and look for the penitentiary. Because it is such a bad place to be. And so he makes a helper or a correspondent that goes alongside of Adam. And it's Adamah. Adam and Adamah. I mean, there's just so much there. It is God saying, you need to realize, I didn't make you for Netflix and chill. I made you for covenant. Like, I didn't make you for the fantasy suite. I made you for a blood covenant. God says, if you'll figure this out, look, look, if I created marriage and I created humans and I created the world, I think I got you in terms of what will really turn you on and turn you up in terms of relationship. He says, do it my way. I, I mean, marriage is a gift to you. It is permanent. Like It's like two streams coming together and you walk down the, 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 the bank of the stream for about 10 yards and you try to separate it out. You can. It's permanent. See, you didn't know that. See, nobody's ever told you that. See, see, we believe all these things you're seeing on television. We believe all these things we hear and see on the Internet and on Facebook, fake book, and on Instagram. And when we go, hey, that must be the way to do it. Our world is broken. God, God says that when you understand, when you come together, man, man, the greatest thing you can ever do is find someone that you can share your soul with. When God breathed into Adam and he breathed into Eve, it was the nephesh. It was the spirit of God, the soul of man that comes together when you get married. I want so bad to scream this when I do weddings. It's about your soul. And that means there's a priority in marriage. Listen to me. Your husband and your wife should be number one on this earth. Number one. I mean, before anything else. Number one, but, but before, before your job. And see, it gets real quiet when I do this because I know how it was. I listen, I remember when my kids were little, I had three little kids. Alicia was home with them. And like I'd work late on some nights because I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing worse than 630 to 830 at night in my house. I walked in like this. 
This is a true story. I walked in one day, one, one evening, and literally I felt like somebody was watching me. And I couldn't, I didn't know who it was. I couldn't find all the kids. I knew where two of them was. But the third one, my son, I didn't know where he was. And I saw a shadow, and it was a body. He was my son. He was jumping. And I, found, I called him, just barely called him. I mean, that's a tough time. Who doesn't want to work late? Who doesn't want to go to after hours and network? Because it's hard to go home. Listen, you, you don't put your kids over your husband, ladies. See, so you don't realize this right now, but, but you kind of like that. Like, oh, I'm just too tired. I got the kids. I got to get the kids. Saturday morning, we got to go, we got to go soccer moms, okay? And they're sliding sideways in those two-ton vehicles trying to get over to get their kids. Or, and, then, and then the referee, who's about 14 years old, what do you think? Are you crazy? Oh, my kid didn't follow nobody. I mean, so you know, all of a sudden you realize, hey, hey, I put my kids over my spouse. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Are they going to leave you? Oh, they'll come back. But, I mean, they'll leave. I mean, they'll go off to school, and there you're sitting looking at somebody you barely know. You, you don't put golf in front of your wife. You say, you're going to go to meddling. Listen, I want you to play. I think golf's great. I mean, I don't like it because I, I lose too much money. But for some of you, like when you play, you really like it. You enjoy it. But you can't make it your life. You've got plenty of other time to play golf. When your kids get older, and like maybe teach your wife how to play golf. You say, no, that defeats the purpose. But you don't put golf in front of your wife. Okay? And ladies, you go, no, give it to him, Brother Jeff. Give it to him, Brother Jeff. Listen, you don't put shopping in front of your husband either. Hey, lucky rabbit, they're giving away rabbits. <laughs> see what I mean? You see how we do this? And all of a sudden, you put these other things in front of your spouse, and it's like quid pro quo. I mean, I'll do this if they'll do that. Oh, okay, if she starts doing this, and I'll stop doing that. Really? Is that what you're getting out of the book of Hosea? Hosea is with other men. Gomer is with other men. I hope Hosea wasn't... Got, <laughs> <laughs> you try preaching up here. <laughs> Gomer, and what? No, stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You're taking my time. Gomer was with other men. She certainly was not doing everything she needed to do to meet Hosea's needs. And here's the thing before you give up on your spouse, remember, God didn't give up on you. You make mistakes, you sin. He didn't throw you under the bus. God chose you. He made you a priority. He loves you. I don't understand why. I'm going to preach this forever. The gospel is God loves you in your filth, in your prostitution, in your drug use, in your drunken stupor. He loves you. You say, what do you mean by that? Hosea chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Hosea does something, and this is amazing. This is just better than me. I'm just not that good, okay? He, he ta- God says, take, all, take this money, take these clothes, take this jewelry, and I want you to go over to the pimp that is kind of pimping out Gomer and give her the money through the pimp. And so he does. He goes over to her pimp. Now, this is in the Bible. I didn't write this. And he gives it to her, and she uses the money and the clothes and the jewelry for other men. It'd be like giving your wife some money for a hotel room and she spends it with another man. Well, ladies, it'd be like you cooking a meal and your husband giving it to his girlfriend. You, you know what God's saying? He said, everything you have, see, see, it comes all the way back to you and me. He says, everything you have is a gift from God. You said, oh, I worked hard. I know what the body God gave you. You don't know what I've done in my business with the opportunity God gave you. 
Everything you have belongs to the Lord. Listen, all the way down to your feet. Everything you have is a gift from Him. And He says, what you're doing with all of my gifts is giving it to the bales in your life, the things that you've put before me. You've prostituted yourself with other gods. It may be your looks. It may be your car. It may be your clothes. It may be your social status. It may be the way you play sports. It may be, I don't know what it is, but you put something ahead of God. He says, "I right, listen, that's what you're doing the same thing Gomer did is what you're doing you're going oh my goodness I'm not that bad yeah we're that bad and there's pain in marriage I want to tell you something marriage is like iron sharpening iron marriage is discipleship marriage is not going on a beautiful island with a bunch of beautiful people and trying to you know everything out that's not marriage. I don't know what that is. That's something different. Marriage is like when you got a bunch of kids and you're locked in a car and it's hot and you just got back from Walmart. That's marriage. Try that out. And if they survive that and throwing up, your wife's throwing up and you're catching it, trying to catch it, you, you, you do that, then you can, yeah, that's marriage. See, marriage is tension that creates a masterpiece. And you don't get that in the middle of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says two are better than one because if one falls, the other one will help him up. But hey, it's terrible when one falls and there's nobody there. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When it's you and your spouse and God, you are rolling. You need a partner. You need somebody with grit because your kids are going to try to kill you. You just hadn't lived long enough. See, see you don't get this. Like, like I've been there. Done. I really was, I looked good before we had kids. And then it just, it's like it all hits you. Like I had some money. I mean, I had some energy. I had some hope. And then you got three kids. Boom. You're going to need a, you're gonna need a helpmate. Because it's coming for you. Work. I ain't got to work. What happens with work? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I know you think I just work one day a week. But that one day is hard. It's real hard. And the devil's after you. See, I don't believe in the devil. Some of you have been married to them. Listen, great marriages. Y'all might have tightened up on, on that because that was funny, and you got to get on that train quicker. Great marriages are forged in the fire of unexpected pain and loss. You need to tattoo that somewhere. Not, not that it sound right. You, you, you need to write that down somewhere. That great marriages are forged in the fire of unexpected pain and loss. God is calling Hosea to, to live with a, a sense of love with regard to his wife. He's calling to live the message. And that, that's what God does a lot of times. Like something happens in your life and, and, and you start, you, you're walking with God. You're like a giant billboard because this is what God is doing. People are watching you. People were, watch, they were watching Hosea and they were saying, man, you love your wife. Where's that love come from? That love comes from God. See, a lot of times the things you're going through in your marriage that are so hard, God is using that to fit you with a testimony to help other people. In, in 2005, it was, our, it was our lowest year in our lives, in my life, and uh, not just because of Katrina. I did have six trees on my house and one through my LeSabre. Uh, it was a car, the sword, I call it, parked about a dead tree. And, and it was just, it was terrible. It was a terrible time. In that time, everybody left our church downtown. I just walked in one day. I mean, it's like you walk in to preach and like you're going, wow, where is everybody? They go, they go. I thought it was a rapture. <laughs> but then I remembered some of them and I knew I was okay. Uh, so, 
boy, that was good. God, that was good. I didn't even, that, that's the first time I've ever said something like that, and it felt good. Sin, it was sin, but it felt good. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. I repent. Stop it. Okay? So, where was I? Oh, and then, uh, like, uh, three staff members left and started church uh, 200 yards from the front door. And I'm like, really? We go to the doctor. At least you had a checkup. Three doctors come in, our friends, and they're crying. And I'm like, this ain't good. Doctor calling you right now. And, 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 and they said, at least you got cancer. Stage three cancer. I remember going home and sitting my three kids down on the love seat, and they were little. They'd, you know, come in from playing, and I, I got down on one knee. Alicia's in the den, and, and I got down on one knee, and I looked at myself and I said, Mama's, Mama's going to have some health issues, but it's okay. Daddy's got it under control. I don't want you worried about Mama. I got Mama, and I got you. Now get outside and play. They're like, okay. They believed every word of it. And I got in the bed and covered up and cried like a little girl. Everything I've ever put my identity in, God slowly stripped it away. Oh, you've got a church. Oh, you've got friends. Oh, you've got a team. Oh, you've got a wife and family. Until I got to the very end of that onion, there was nothing left. But God... Let me tell you something. You won't understand that God is all you need until he's all you have left. When that happens, man, it inspires you. It fires you. It takes you to another level when you know God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Yes, it looks bad. Yes, it is dark. But you don't quit. That is the point of the gospel. That is the point of marriage. Listen, the marriage is not about you having fun, about getting all your needs met. It's about a picture of Jesus with his church. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, you find it in Hosea chapter 3. In Hosea chapter 3, it's an amazing picture because Gomer has run the gamut, okay? Like, like she's gotten to the end. She's lost her looks. She's lost her money. She's lost her pimp. She's lost everything. And they're doing a sex trafficking auction. And she's at the auction, and she is kneeling down trying to hide her body. It's all right there in Hosea chapter 3. And she's kneeling down, and she won't look up because she is left with nothing. And they're like, nobody's bidding. And the guy, the auctioneer says, how about a half a shekel? And she's looking down, and all of a sudden she hears somebody say, I'll give you 15 shekels of silver and 15 shekels of barley. And she goes, oh, my goodness, that is Hosea. What, what is he doing? What, what's he doing? Hosea was buying back what was his. So you're the clock forward 800 years. And there was another man who was broken, unclothed. Isaiah says that he looked like a wound. So there was nothing about him that would draw you to him. Sinless, son of God, on the auction block for all of your sins. Sins people don't know about. And God steps up and he's the only bidder that can do this. And he pays for all of your sins 
with his son. Friends, that's what marriage is. That's what the gospel is. It cost him everything. Salvation is something God does inside of you. That's where you get grit. That's where you get stamina. That's where you get the stickiness that you need to stay in a marriage. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. My husband, my husband abuses me. You need to call 911. I'm not saying that. You call 911 and tell them, and they'll come over to your house. I mean, I, I see this happen a lot. And, and you, you can get to that point. Unless I got in an argument one night years and years and years ago, and uh, she's not in here, so I can tell the story. And it's a true story. Her daddy asked me about it after the first service, and we got in a big argument, and she reached out, and she swung and hit my thigh right there as hard as she could with her fist and sprained her wrist. <laughs> I'm just saying, just so you know. And I thought about calling 911, but I did. Yeah. <clears throat> he said, but my husband is cheating on me. Well, confront him over it. You know, get somebody in your small group. Get, get some friends to call him on it and challenge him and say, hey, you don't need to be doing this anymore. If you're going to stay in the marriage, you've got to be faithful to the marriage. And you say, well, what if that don't work? One call, that's all. <laughs> yeah, there's some people in town that can help you with that. And that, when he walks out of the office, all they have on is his T-shirt. So you say, well, that's not very godly. I know, neither is having an affair. So I'm just saying, you know, you come on to kind of back away from it. But Hosea loved her. There's a pursuit that comes in marriage. Listen, listen, this is, I'm, I'm almost finished. Listen, there's a pursuit that comes. I've been married 37 years this past Wednesday. 37 years. Yeah, give Alicia a hand. Yeah, because I am a handful. I'm just going to tell you, I ain't telling you a lot of my stuff. But, but, but you know, on, on Wednesday morning, I got up. And uh, she went back. I made up the bed. I went and took out the garbage. I washed the dishes. And she walked through and she goes, hey, are you drunk? <laughs> I said, no, baby, it's our anniversary. I'm wooing you. I'm pursuing you. Well, wh what is keeping you from pursuing your spouse? What, what is keeping you from doing the things you need to do? And not, not your spouse, okay? Uh, but but you, the things you need to be doing that you want to work on. It may be some things with your health. It may be some things with your time. It may be some things with the way you listen or don't listen, the way you talk or you don't talk, or the way you encourage or the way you challenge. But what are you doing to make sure your marriage moves forward? It is the nature of fire to burn low. Just ask the great theologian Johnny Cash. He said, we got married in a fever's pitch, hotter than a pepper sprout, and we've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. I'm going to Jackson. I ain't going to Jackson. Too scary. <laughs> It'd be somewhere, though, you can go. You know what they're saying? You know what June and Johnny were saying to each other? And they kind of looking all crazy-eyed. They were saying, you know, we're going to go back to where the fire began to burn low. We're going to go back and do some things we did that attracted us to each other. Remember all those little things you did when you were dating? You were writing those notes. You were sending those flowers. Man, you were making time. You were dressing up. You were making sure you had a bath. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, after about four or five years of marriage, you're not doing nothing. Well, it's just you get, you know, you got what you got. No, no, no. Remember all those times you would, you would talk on the phone till late at night? Just talk and talk and talk. You couldn't talk to her enough, man. I mean, you just said, look, we don't have to talk. Let me hear you breathe. And then you get married. 
You know the food that kills romance in a marriage? Wedding cake. Uh, kind of a nervous laughter, isn't it? Uh, pursue, 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 pursue. Do you know what Hosea does? When he buys her back, he takes her home and he locks the door. And he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to work on our marriage. We're going to turn off social media. We're not going to be talking to other people, getting their advice. We're not going to be tempted with other people. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to start over. We're going to make this work. This is going to be good. You're like, well, did it work? Well, we're not told. The, the, the point is about you now. It's not about Jose and Gomer. It's about you. Are you willing to like do what it takes to take your marriage to another level? You say, well, I just don't know if it, that works like that. It's always funny. You're funny and all that. But you don't understand what I'm going through. I, I do too. A few months ago, I was sitting in Starbucks. I got time for one store and I got to quit. But I was sitting in Starbucks and uh, minding my own business, drinking my venti. And, uh, and I saw this lady as a young lady, and she kept looking over at me. And at first, I thought, well, maybe she goes to our church. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't, know, if I, I don't know if I know her. And she, she, so she makes a beeline over, and she sits down right by me, and our chairs kind of clank together, and our legs kind of hit. And I just kind of move my leg over, you know, just because I was thinking, what is going on here? People going to think I'm cheating on Alicia. And she said, I have been dying to meet you. Okay. So I got to tell you a story. I said, okay. She said, I'm about to move. So I got to tell you a story before I leave. And I can't believe you're here. Like, yeah, I, I come drink coffee a lot. She said, yeah, you know, I, I was with my girlfriends. We were at Cotton Blues drinking uh, Bollins Mimosas. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, where is this going? She said, we were drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. I had on blue jeans and a t-shirt. And my girlfriend said, let's go to Venture at 11. And I, she said, I said, we can't go to Venture at 11 because we've been drinking. She goes, oh, I do it all the time. And it finally dawned on me, the people that love me the most are the drugs. <laughs> and uh, golly, take that out of the tape. Uh, <clears throat> but she said, I went to church. She said, I think, I cannot believe we're going to church. I have drinking all that. And she said, well, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, you said something about your husband. One of the things you can do with your husband, instead of always bellyaching and criticizing him, won't you serve him? Because he'll change his life. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, like, everything stopped. And it wasn't alcohol. It was the spirit of God kind of coming over her. And she said, it's like me and you in the room. And everything you said, I went, gosh, I, never, I don't know. I had never heard that. Said, all my friends told me my husband was a loser. Said, said, you know, my mama told me he was a loser. You know, all people at work told me he was a loser. And I thought, he's just a loser. The problem in this marriage is I just married a loser. He's just a loser, loser, loser. And I thought, well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go listen again. Said, I went home and laid on, my, on the hood of my car and was listening to that sermon over and over and over again. And she said, I thought, well, I'm going to try that. I'm going to start serving my husband. I'm going to see what happens. She said she started doing different things that she had never done before to help him fold the clothes putting it up, making dinner, doing all these things. He said, you won't believe what happened. I said, well, what happened? She said, it transformed him. He said, I just need to tell you that before we move to Jackson. <laughs> they were moving to Jackson. That's what's funny. They're moving to Jackson. Maybe that's the song. So, but it, it, it transformed him. And before we leave, I'm glad I got to tell you my story. Now look, I know it didn't always work that way. 
And I know for some of you have been hurt and you've been burnt and you did all those things. God's not done with you. God loves you. We love you. God's got a plan for you. He is not done. The story has not been written on you yet. God is still writing your story. Don't you believe all those things that you went through in the past? You don't have to go through those again. Do life God's way. Invite God to come into your life and take over your life and say, Hey, I don't understand all this, but I want to do what you tell me to do. Listen, if you do what God tells you to do, I promise you, you'll be blessed. You can write that down. I'm not saying money. I mean, I think he'll probably do some of that too. I'm talking about the quality of your life, joy, unspeakable, and filled with glory. Now I'm done and the, everybody's phone's ringing. So I know we've got to finish, but listen, God loves you. Just like God loved Gomer. And brought her back. And made her his own. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, I don't know where you are. It's unfair if maybe part of this message has hurt a little bit. Because I don't know your story. If I had several hours instead of 30 minutes, I could probably help in some way, but I get 30 minutes. I can start the conversation with you and the Lord. Get in a small group. Get into recovery. Man, we have designed this church for people who are willing to admit they've got hurt and brokenness. This is not a church for the pretty, perfect people. You're just going to get discouraged. This is for real people who live in the real world and who need a real relationship with God. Invite him in. Come back to him. Don't give up on him. Don't take a shortcut because you've been hurt so many times. God sees you. God loves you. We love you. We want to come alongside you. Father, I thank you, God. There's so much I want to pour into the hearts and minds. I want to open up their heads and just pour it in. This will put a Bible in their head. God, only you can do that. So, Father, we honor you. We thank you for the faithfulness of Hosea. We thank you, God, for the picture of the Gomer that you bought back, which is me. And, God, today we celebrate you and your grace and your mercy and your grit for never giving up on us. And, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.